Thanks for listening to another life-transforming message from the team here at C3 Southwest Washington. To find out more about our church, visit c3swwa.com. You know, we're in a series entitled Reboot, and we're stealing the computer concept of powering something off and back on again when there's glitching, when things aren't working correctly. And last week, we talked about that need for a spiritual reboot regularly and the ways in which we can reboot, whether we do it intentionally in our time of prayer or we recognize circumstances in our world that are falling apart. So we say, Lord, we hit reboot, get back to the basics, get back to putting him first and and that concept. This week, I wanna talk to you about, uh, along the line, the title is Recognizing Malware. Because I want you to look in the scripture here real quick and look at a verse that is so powerful to introduce to you the idea of threats behind the scenes that would weave their way into our everyday lives. And maybe has weaved its way into your life right now. If you got a pulse, I do know this, there's the attempt to attack your life and get you off the purposes of God. You are like an arrow that the Lord has pulled back his bow and he's fired you into your life. And his desire is that there's low impedance, that you're able to gracefully navigate towards the target each and every day but there's an enemy that wants to bump you off of target, wants to mess with the fletching on the back of the arrow, wants to uh, put, a, put a curl in the shaft so that it, it, it veers off a target. And we see this happen in the book of Ezra, chapter four, verse one through two. It says, now when the adversaries of Judah and Benjamin heard that the returned exiles were building a temple of the Lord, the God of Israel, they approached Zerubbabel, the heads of the, and the heads of the fathers, houses and said to them, let us build with you. Adversaries pretending to want to help, let me help you build. A beautiful scripture in Isaiah chapter 54 verse 17 says, no, read this with me, no weapon that is fashioned against you shall succeed. Let's read that again. No weapon that is fashioned against you shall succeed. Maybe make it personal. No weapon that is fashioned against me shall succeed. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for each person in this room, each person listening at home. We're so grateful, God, that we don't walk alone, but we walk under the protection of the great protector of you, Lord. And so I pray that you will train your people to see the attack as it comes. God, that they will have discernment and be able to recognize when an adversary pretends to be a friend, when something desires to get into our operating system and infect our lives, infect the direction that we're going in, that we'll see, that we'll discern, that we'll resist and move forward in a healthy way. But Father, in those moments when we are fooled, when something pushes through that veil of protection that you desire us to walk in, that we will understand that we can have a reset with you and get back to that trajectory. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. And everyone said, amen and amen. Give the Lord a big hand, maybe smile at the person next to you as you're seated. Grab your Bible and let's press into this this portion of scripture, into this topic that we've been on. Here in uh, the book of Ezra is so practical for our everyday living in this season that we're in, in this topic of reboot. Now, I don't know about you, but I've, I'm probably a little older than many of you, and my first years of computers was extremely frustrating. Back then, it was way before I discovered a Mac, 
and I lived in the world of PC, and I know some of you are going to boo me on this, but I can remember uh, up until probably 10, 12 years ago when I just lived solely in the world of PC, I would regularly come across this, what's called the blue screen of death. Anybody you've experienced this? It's when you are working hard and you're trying to accomplish something. Probably you've waited longer than you should. The deadline is looming close. It's 3 o'clock in the morning. You've got to get that report in. You've got to get that project submitted. And after all of your very hard work, labor, toil, difficulty, challenge, all of a sudden pops up on your screen the blue screen of death. And it gives you the instruction that in order to get out of this mode, you've got to hit what? Control. Say it with me. Alt. Some of you don't even know. Some of you are like, I don't even know what blue screen of death is. Listen, this was a very real thing a few years back. Control, alternate, delete. And what that did, that rebooted your computer, but more than just rebooting your computer, you went back to square one. And so when your computer came back on, it began to fire its way up, and then you discovered you now needed to reinstall all of your programs, and all of your content was lost, and you had to start over from the very beginning. And I remember wondering, why does this keep happening? And then we were introduced, oh, probably really popularly around the year 2000, the Y2K bug, you know, remember that? The world was going to shut down. Uh, the, uh, out, the world was going to blow up on the outside. Computer programs were going to shut down. And we began to really understand that there was, believe it or not, actually people out there who were giving their lives to building malware, malware, I, I'm going to say it wrong a thousand times and Glenn is going to go ahead and you computer people are going to correct me. But this idea of people behind the scenes in dark places, writing code, engineering, bad virus type of products that would make its way onto your computer and take it hostage. That it was engineered by very real people using deception to get onto your computer, inviting you to click here or vote in this poll or download this software or like this particular website and thereby behind the scenes infecting your computer, bringing all sorts of malware, either viruses, spyware or ransomware. And the ultimate goal was for your loss and their gain. How many of you have experienced some form of spyware, malware, whatever it would be, malware, whatever it would be, and you've experienced like your, your computer shutting down? Probably everybody in this room. Now, that's a very real today digital threat that we deal with. But there's also a very real life, practical, everyday living version of this that is like software designed to take you out, but it's, it's an attack against your life that we can actually see here in the book of Ezra that we all experience whether you're aware of it or not. In the book of Ezra, as we read that portion of scripture, there's some backstory to bring you up to this chapter four, verses one through two. Remember that back in 489 BC or 2 Kings chapter 25, Nebuchadnezzar breaks into Israel, breaks into Jerusalem. He burns down the house of God, right? And then he burns down all the houses. And then he burns down the wall and he takes all the people, except for a very few small group of poor people to farm the land, he takes them back to Babylon. He locks down the house of God. He, he just shuts down what God was doing. And a divine reset begins to happen over the next 50 years. Daniel, one of the exiles, a man of God, and some of his friends begin to use their influence to impact the, the political leaders of their day. And so you have people like Darius who comes on the scene. Well, actually Nebuchadnezzar later on, Darius and then Cyrus. And God uses men like Daniel to reveal 
who God is and what God can do in these men's lives. And so we see in Ezra chapter 2, actually chapter 1, where God captures the heart of Ezra, who, uh, or not just Ezra, but captures the heart of Cyrus, the king of Babylon. Now, you got to understand the context of this. The Babylonian Empire is not a biblical nation. It's not a Christian nation. They don't have in mind the things of God. They worship the gods of Babylon, gods like Molech, who was a crouching stone god who had its hands out raised. And inside of the heart of this god was a, a fire. It was a giant statue. They would stoke that fire and then actually pour, put infants on the tips of the fingers of this god Moloch and allow the child to roll down into the belly of the fire, thinking they were doing something good. That was part of their worship. We saw that happen in our country today. I don't know if it would be appalling based on everything else that we're not appalled by, but it was an extremely dark place with a dark leader. But God is not restricted by culture. He's not restricted by politics. God can capture the heart of anyone as his people pray, and they do what they're called to do. And so God captures the heart of Nebuchadnezzar, later the heart of Darius, also the heart of Cyrus. And so Cyrus is stirred at the beginning of the book of Ezra, and he gives the mandate to the people of God, as crazy as this is, go back to your homeland, I'm going to give you the resources, build back up my house, build back up my, uh, the city, God's house, God's city, and build back up the nation. Go ahead, and here's all the funds to do it. So in the process, Ezra chapter 2, they return home. Ezra chapter 3, seven months later, they assemble, and they offer sacrifices on the altar. It's an amazing day. And then in Ezra chapter 3, verse 8, they begin the process of rebuilding the temple now. They start the process. But that introduces us to chapter 4, verse 1 through 2. It says, now when the adversaries, okay, say that word with me, adversaries. There's almost no sphere in your life where you're not going to experience an adversary. It's just the reality. And I used to think like adversaries were, you know, they would just say, hey, you want to fight? And then take you on, call you out. But I want you to watch what happens in this chapter because you'll see the subtlety of the enemy and the subtlety of not only spiritual enemies, but sometimes physical enemies. There are enemies that will look at your life and want to extract something from your life and actually pretend to be friend and not position themselves as foe. When the adversaries of Judah and Benjamin heard that the returned exiles were building a temple to the Lord, the God of Israel, they approached Zerubbabel. They walk right in, walk right to the main leader who's building up the house of God. And it goes on to say that they go and they approach the heads of the father's houses and they say, let us build with you for we worship your God as you do. These are adversaries walking right up to people, pretending to be something that they're not with one singular objective, your downfall and my gain. Let us build with you. They lie just blatantly, have no problem at all. I mean, we watch people in our, you, you've watched a child who you know that you love who tries to pull off a lie and you can tell in their body language, everything screams, I'm lying. And there's almost, they're, they're almost afraid to say the lie. But you will meet people in this lifetime who will walk up to you. They will blatantly lie. It will be such a large lie. You will even begin to question, how could I ever assume that they're lying? Because 
They are so committed to what they're saying. But that is the reality of the world that we live in. It's been this way forever. And so they walk up to Ezra, they walk up to the leaders of this entire movement, and they lie. They pretend to be with them. This is an all-out amazing assault. And what I love, and I don't have this verse for you, but verse 3, there's this thing called discernment. If there's anything I would challenge you to pray for, discernment. Because as that arrow being fired out of the bow of God, pursuing the best life that God has for you, there's going to be things to come and either offer to help the trajectory of your life or thwart it. And sometimes you've got to be able to discern beyond what is said. Not everybody who comes to you and says, friend, friend, is a friend. Not everybody who you immediately perceive to be a foe is actually a foe, right? And so there's a discernment that kicks in. And we read in verses 4 through 5 of Ezra chapter 4, the people, um, or before that, verse 3, you have nothing to do with us in building the house of God. We alone will build to the Lord, the God of Israel. They immediately recognize the blatant lie and how amazing that is to be able to put out your hand and say, I'm not clicking on that link. I'm not an idiot, right? There's been times where you've actually got an email that was a fake email inviting you to type in your your credentials, right? Oh, the U.S. government sending you an email. You've got a great big return that you've not cashed in on yet. Click here and give them your social security number. And you looked at it and you're like, I, I can smell that a mile away. I'm deleting that. And you don't click on it, right? You felt good, really, really good about that, right? Because you are discerning. But watch what happens in the next few verses. And I do have these for you. But then the people of the land who are the adversaries, right? Your adversary is not going to give up just because you, you sniff out the big attack. Your adversary is never going to give up. Reach up here and grab onto your artery, and if you can feel any pulsing going on, as long as you can feel that, you can know that your adversary is always scheming, working at an angle. Very personal, very real. I want to say, especially to you young people, you teenagers, you students, you better understand that there's not just a bully at school in the playground who might catch your attention and come after you. There's a very real enemy who would rather derail you at the beginning of the journey as opposed to later on, Amen. to get you off trajectory. Some of the most critical decisions that you will make in your lifetime will happen between the ages of 15 and 21. It'll set the course of your life. And I want you to recognize, while there's a, a bunch of people around you who love you, there's going to be some people mixed in who maybe don't, and there's going to be a very real enemy who's going to be after you. And it goes on to say here in verse 4, the people of the land, or the enemy, discouraged the people of Judah, made them afraid. The big attack was thwarted, but the small little chipping away day in, day out, the suggestions began to discourage the people, made them afraid. Even goes on to say, and they bribed counselors against them. I want to tell you something. Be careful who you get your advice from. Because back here where they're trying to rebuild the temple, there's actually a group of people who have been paid to step in. Oh, no, 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 no. We can't build it that way. That won't work. We should build it a different way. Or no, we can't do that now. We should wait. And actually, they're giving wrong advice. They're giving false advice solely to keep you from accomplishing the thing that God wants to do. No friend would ever do that to you, right? Do you know that there'll be some people worried about you actually doing the right thing? Because they'll get left behind and not be a part of your world. And they're not, worried, they're not willing to journey to the best places because it scares them. That requires faith. 
They want to go to the safe journey where we all lock arms and stay in mediocrity. And so there'll be some people that inject themselves into your world and whisper in your ear, oh, no, 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 that's too risky. What will people think? What will people think if, if you start that Bible study? What will people think if you step out in faith? What will people think if you stand up and worship God? They're going to laugh. You don't want that. And so we end up with this slow, constant chipping away in our lives. And it goes on to frustrate their process. It's a very real attack that we see engineered for our lives. These scriptures all apply to you, all three of these. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8 through 9, be watchful. In other words, open your eyes. Now, I know 95% of you sitting here right now have your eyes opened. Thank you very much. And there's a 5% of you maybe at home, you've, you've drifted off because you, you, know, you stayed up too late last night. But it says be watchful. And that is a, a, a strong command for everyday life. Do you know, I've got, I've got a security system at my home. It never turns off. You know why? Because you never know when the enemy's coming. You never know. And so it's always on. And this is a, a strong urgency to be watchful in every setting, even church setting, home setting, youth group setting, work setting, good time setting, bad time setting. Be watchful. Why? Because always lurking somewhere there in the background is an adversary, the devil who prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone, seeking someone to devour. And then it says what? Resist him. If you're watching, you see him, you resist him. John chapter 10, verse 10 lets us know what he's after. He comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, right? So if you smell steal, if you smell kill, if you smell destroy, what is that? It's the enemy at work, right? The fragrance of the wicked one. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11. Don't be, you shouldn't be, you don't have to be outwitted by Satan. He plays a very strategic game. He'll show up, ha! but he's also an angel of light. He'll pour honey in your ear. He'll whisper to you, oh, you're so right. You were done wrong by those people. Oh, you should, you know what? You're never going to get that by waiting. Just take it now by force. And so he has all different schemes, but the Bible says we don't have to be ignorant. We can't, we can, uh, we can function in a way where we're not outwitted because we're not ignorant of his designs. So let me press back into this idea of malware um, and talk to you just for a few moments about how this malware shows up in our life and what it wants to accomplish. Because your computer is susceptible to all of these different types of products and your spiritual and physical life is certainly um, under attack as well. There are three types basically of malware. There's viruses. There are also spyware and there's ransomware. And let me push into each of those because they have a modern day spiritual application for your life. Number one, viruses. Uh, those are the things that want to stick to our life. Like we walk through our life and we begin to understand that there are things that, that are designed to, that we would um, actually onboard into our life, doesn't necessarily shut down our function, but they attach themselves to us and we carry them around. Recently with all the fires that we had, no one wants to smell like smoke, but you walked outside, you came back inside, what happened? You smelled like what? Smoke, it just attaches to you. And I don't know about you, but in this world that we live in, it's not positive, it's not faith-filled, it's not upbeat, it's not talking about our best future. And just stepping into the world, listening to all that's going on, like smoke, it would want to attach itself to your life. And next thing you know, you've got somebody that walks up to you, hey, Dave, Dave, did you, did you hear about the other Dave? Shh, don't look at him. This is just a prayer request. Have you heard what Dave did? 
I said, I don't want to be a gossip, but I want you to go ahead. We need to join together in prayer. And, and that has, doesn't that have a way of you hear that? And it begins to strike a chord. And all of a sudden, something you would never believe about the other Dave, this Dave is injecting some doubt and some dirt. How many, how many of you can feel that affect your attitude towards another person? Okay, it does. How many of you during this season... And not, this probably hasn't happened to any of you. It was all the people at the nine o'clock service where they, they, I asked this question. I said, how many of you at some point during all of what's going on looked at a post from somebody you know, but haven't seen in a while because isolation is how the enemy functions, right? He sows doubt and he causes us to, to become insecure. How many of you looked at the post of someone else and you were doggone sure that that was a rebuttal to your post last Tuesday at 9 o'clock, and they were speaking out to you. And you got angry, you got ticked off, and you, you unfriended. No, you didn't unfriend them. You just unfollowed them because I can't be allowing them to poison my world. But really deep down in, some feelings grabbed onto you and clung to you, and now you're carrying them around like it's a, a particle of dirt. It's, it's a virus. It doesn't lock down your life, but it affects the moment you walk up to that person that you haven't seen in three months, and I'm pretty sure for whatever reason now we're enemies. It just attaches, or a bad attitude. You know what? Get around a group of people who have a bad attitude, and I promise you, if you stay there for any length of time, you're going to have a bad attitude. That's why I have limits for myself. Even looking at political stuff, no matter what it's about, or what, it, it will get on me, and it is like the smell of, of poo. Let's just leave it there. <laughs> And I begin to carry poo in my life. That virus, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 says, let us lay aside every weight and sin, and sin which wants to cling. And their, their sin will want to cling to you. You don't even intentionally realize, but it becomes a part of who you are. Negative conversation, um, participating in gossip, negativity, maybe even perpetuating a lie. And these things want to attach themselves to us. You know, um, they are all about, if you've thought, if you've thought about this vi virus, when I discovered the blue screen of death, I also discovered companies that made antivirus, right? I'm pretty sure that the people who created the antivirus are the same people that created the virus. You know how I know? Because I flew into Mexico City one night really late, and as we were driving out in a caravan, a couple of SUVs, both, both SUVs hit this massive pothole the size of this room. And we blew out on one of the vehicles, two rims, and I think it was like three tires, and on the other vehicle, almost similar. We immediately pulled over to the side, and lo and behold, there was a man with new tires and new rims parked on the side. I thought, how convenient is this? This is amazing. We've got a problem, and now they're going to fix it. And then as I was watching them fix the tires, I looked up the road, and there were some men standing there with shovels. I was like, who are those guys? Oh, they're the ones who dug the hole. <laughs> they dug the hole? What are you talking about? Yeah, they dug the hole. Why? So we could fix your tires. Listen, that's good marketing right there. <laughs> Create a problem that only you can solve and perpetuate that. But listen, that's how the enemy works. He wants to download a virus into your soul that stays sticking there, and you continually have to pay a price without ever eradicating it. I'm concerned that some of the so virus software, it doesn't pull it off. It just times it out so that it goes, and I'm a dark secret 
conspiracy guy anyway, so not really, but I, it works here. So lay aside every weight that would cling to you. Second thing is the, the uh, spyware. And that would be the stuff that you onboard into your system, which is strategic about strategically timed attacks. It's operating looking for the opportunity when you log on to your bank account. Steals your login, name, and password. Or is when you're on a website typing in your social security number and grabs a hold of that so that later on it can use that information strategically to rob you of what you have so that it can have great gain. You know, you have to understand that the enemy is strategic. He does look for key moments. Luke chapter 4 verse 13 says, and when the devil had ended every temptation, and this is talking about Jesus' life, he was unsuccessful. Did he go away? No, the Bible goes on to say, and he departed from him until an opportune time. Do you know when your opportune times are? Have you looked at your own life to be able to say, when am I most susceptible to the attack of the enemy? I'll tell you what, COVID's a great time. Because you're isolated, you're away from people, you're locked down, you're looking at social media, all these things are going through your mind, you're weary, you're functioning in this parallel universe not designed for you, hello, and the enemy looks for a strategic moment. Or maybe when you're discouraged, or you're low on finances, or you're tired, you've not been taking care of your body, right? There's strategic moments. Do you know yourself? I really want to challenge you. Look back at the times you struggle most. When these difficulties present themselves and you fall to the hand of the enemy, you'll begin to discover that you actually have strategic moments in your life. And if you know that strategy, how he works, it's much easier to fight him off. I know for me, if I get overworked, under-exercised, eating bad foods, believe it or not, at my age, that's like a trigger to open up the door. Come on in, devil, and go ahead and speak how how what a loser I am and how I should give up and I'm a failure. You know, it's just like, it's like clockwork. That's why I try to eat well, try to sleep well, try to exercise well. Why? Because I'm not ignorant to his devices. Finally, there's the ransomware. These are the all-out assaults. You're not going to have a lot of these in a lifetime. How many of you feel like this season for you has been an all-out assault against you? Okay. It's the attack to, that, that, like, everything is thrown at you. It's the Job experience. And for me, this whole COVID season, all the, all the political stuff going on, it has taken me to, to places, like, emotionally and mentally that I have never been before. I don't know if it's because of my age. I don't know if this is just, uh, this is the perfect storm for me. But it, it seems to be a perfect season for a lot of people. And recognizing there will be these moments of all-out assaults. The Bible says in the King James Version of Luke chapter, uh, I'm sorry, of um, back, back one. Back one, Dave. Sorry, I lost it on my notes. Isaiah, uh, there, uh, back one, back one, Dave, with the three scriptures. There you go. To give Dave a big hand. It's like, ah, I'm like, I'm trying to tell the airplane where to park, and I'm going like this, like, well, where do you want me to go? Isaiah chapter 59, verse 19. When the enemy shall come in like a flood. Have you experienced that? Man, man, I've experienced it. has been a few moments. I think if you've got any, any type of gray hair at all in your life, maybe if you don't, spend those moments, right? Powerful, powerful, challenging moments. These are the ways the enemy will show up. Let me give you a, a great final verse, and if you'll stand with me, worship team's going to come. Let me give you just a couple thoughts here with this verse. Isaiah 54, verse 17. It says very clearly, say it with me. 
no weapon that is a fashioned against you shall succeed. Let's make it personal again. No weapon that is fashioned against me shall succeed. Now, let's be honest. We look in Ezra chapter four and that scripture seems to be incorrect because the weapon that was fashioned against them was working, right? The big one didn't work. The all out, hey, we'll help you build. That didn't work. But the constant chipping away, hiring poor advisors, spreading fear, report, ah, bad things are about to happen. Listen, if you think what's going on this season is something new, you just need to read the Bible. This has been going on for a long time. Be a student of history. If you're a student of history, you won't repeat history's mistakes. America, be a student of history. You do not have to look too far in the rearview mirror to understand that there are very real ramifications of different types of policy that impact not only neighborhoods and general population areas, but nations. There are good economic plans and there are poor economic plans. We're part of a nation that is just a a remarkable experiment where God was attempting to be honored and people's destiny were attempting to be honored and let those two things work together. But it seems like there's a lot of fight against that, right? Well, it's remarkable, remarkable to look out into the season and understand that there's an attack against not just you, but against our people and our nation. Be a student of history. Because the enemy repeats how he's going to attack you, and he repeats how he attacks civilization, mankind in general. There's things that lead to the downfall of nations. Be a student of that. Go back and look. There's a, it's repeated over and over and over. Be a student of that. Fight for what is right, pushing forward. No weapon that is fashioned against you shall succeed. Now, you're going to get a lot of them as a godly person, you're going to see them walk into the room. And you're like, ah, 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 ah. I can smell the stink on you and no way. And I pray that that's how you walk as a believer. I believe that the moment you say yes to Jesus, there is a thing that's put in you to be able to discern right from wrong. That is like, you don't even need to be taught. The Bible says the Holy Spirit comes into your life and you can discern using scripture or the spirit within you. Mm-mm, that's a, that's temptation. I shouldn't be spending any time with that person. They're trouble. I shouldn't go to work there. It's going to cause me to make decisions contrary to the direction of my life. Mm-mm, I shouldn't get involved with that investment. That's, that's not based on wisdom, hard work to be rewarded. God will help you to sniff a lot of those things out. It's going to be a beautiful moment. Celebrate that. But for every one of us in this room, you are going to pick up those clingers, those viruses that want to attach themselves. It's going to happen. And it's not because you don't love God. And it's not because you aren't smart or beautiful or have a future. It's because you're stuck living in this world. It's really important even in a moment like this to ask yourself the question, as I look at my life, have I allowed some things to cling to me right now? Because while they might not shut down everything, viruses impact function. And it impacts the trajectory of your arrow. Listen, God wants to lead you to the destination after destination, your best life. It's not just a slogan. It's hitting the mark every step that you take. Viruses will keep you off, bad attitude, participating in sin. And so if you don't get it on the front end, 
Here's the truth about that scripture that says, no weapon formed against you will prosper. Because at that moment where you look introspectively and say, Lord, oh my gosh, I've got some spyware that's attached itself to me. I've got a virus spiritually. Oh Lord, my attitude has been so bad. Oh, during COVID, I picked up this attitude towards people I shouldn't have. Oh God, that the beautiful moment is there is a divine reset right there that you can actually have the weapon that was formed against you that had begun to prosper immediately removed. Anybody is, bow your head with me. We're gonna go ahead and pray, but I wanna ask you this question. As you look over the, maybe the last couple weeks, maybe it's the last couple months, can you see where there have been some things that have attached themselves to you? Allowed you to be maybe less than what you should be, participate in less than what you should participate in, have impacted Maybe you're doing great prior to all this mess and now you're a little bit lost. You're a little bit directionless. You're lacking passion in worship, lacking passion in prayer. You understand that that's part of the enemy's attack. And I wanna be able to just pray for you. As you stand before the Lord right now, maybe it's you've allowed something much larger in your life to take, take residence. Maybe there's a new habit, new participation, something that doesn't belong beautiful thing about following Jesus is in a moment like this, to turn that all around simply takes coming to him, confessing, Lord, I have a virus. I no longer want this in my life. Release me from it. I'll step in a new direction. The Bible says, if you confess your sins, what? He's faithful to forgive and what? Cleanse you. Forgiveness is one thing, but it leaves you in the same mess. Cleansing allows you to hit divine reset. Let me pray for you. Father, we stand before you and I pray over everyone at home and everyone in the room. Jesus, you came to undo the works of the devil. And in the process of that, there's a beautiful moment available to all of us. I pray for discernment for everyone who's watching, everyone who's listening. Lord, that when viruses or spyware or ransomware would show up into our lives, that we would reject it. Father, I pray for that discernment just to settle down on your people right now. Father, just a new heightened alert, awareness to the attack of the enemy. It's very real. We don't need to look for demons on every doorknob, but very real. There is an attack against the trajectory of our lives. So help us to be aware of that. Help us to see the weapon as it's fashioned and to wisely reject it. But Father, also, as we, we look internally, we inspect our lives like in a moment like this and we clearly see wrong attitudes, wrong actions that we push back in that moment and say, oh Lord, I'm gonna hit re reboot, I'm gonna reset. There's a reset in this moment, Lord, for me to confess my sin to you, I confess my sin to you. Not only will you forgive me, but you're going to cleanse me. I'm gonna step out of this moment with proper steps, my trajectory realigned the arrow being fired at the bullseye. So I ask you to cleanse me. In Jesus' name I pray. And everyone said amen. 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 How good is it to experience the washing, the forgiveness of the Lord? Amen. amen. So beautiful. Let me just pose this question to you and for especially people at home. Maybe you've never hit the initial reboot. You know, you'll find that you can function, but you're going to function with challenge all throughout your life without Jesus. We're born with faulty code. We're born with fragmented hard drives, and maybe it's not always blue screen of death, but it is death. It seems like everywhere we go. 
The reason why Jesus came was so that we could be uploaded with the proper code. The Old Testament talks about him putting a heart of flesh within us, removing the heart of stone and putting his fresh new word into our lives so that we step into proper function, the proper functioning software from heaven uncorrupted. And so if that's you today, you've yet to say yes to Jesus, you can either raise your hand if you're here in the room and we'll pray for you, or we'll pray over you outside in, 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 in our cyber family. We wanna pray that as you say yes, there's an expectation that heaven's gonna download his fresh new touch in your life. Let's pray. Father, I pray for each person who's saying yes for the very first time at home here in the room. Lord, we surrender our lives to you. The code of the enemy is distorted. It's your desire, Lord, to bring life. The enemy would keep us in partial life, just holding on, just barely surviving, but you offer abundant life. And so we say yes to the acts of Jesus. His life is death his burial, his resurrection, his ascension, the fact that he's coming again. That allows us to step out of death into life and let that course through our veins as we say yes to you, Jesus. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. And everyone said, amen and amen. How good is that? That's good stuff. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our pastors, leaders, and what we do at C3 Church, visit our website at c3swwa.com.